Hey, are you interested in herbs? Are you looking for more natural tools to aid in your self-care? Have you always been curious about the so-called alternative or complementary health practices out there? You have come to the right place. My name is Lori. Some people call me the Herb Chick. And this is the Holistic Badass Podcast, where we discuss all the things available in the alternative or complementary or natural toolbox that may help you along your way in this life. So buckle up, sit back, and let's listen to what's up today. Also, remember... Listeners like you are what makes podcasts happen. So be sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and follow me on all the social media channels you care to. Let's go, holistic badasses. Psst. Hey, you. Are you wanting to learn even more about herbs, alternative, and holistic health? How about you go check out societyofherbalists.com? It's a newer website, but there are courses and webinars being added all the time. So far, there are two on there, full disclosure, One of them is by me, but there are more coming. We're going just as fast as we can to create courses to help you learn more in a budget-friendly kind of way in small bite-sized pieces. Let's face it, if you're new to the alternative holistic health arena, a lot of this information is overwhelming and it can be a lot all at once. Go check out Society of Herbalists. Maybe we can help break it down for you. Societyofherbalist.com. For courses, be sure to click on the word courses in the header. The information presented in this podcast is for informational and self-education use only. It is not intended for self-diagnosis nor treatment nor anything that constitutes the practice of medicine. Please consult with a qualified physician concerning the prudence of and before undertaking any major changes in diet, any treatments for disease, any use of drugs or prescription items or the cessation thereof. Hey there, my fellow holistic badasses. Today is a solo day. Today, you just get me. And I had this recording already ready to go, and I try to listen back over them to see, you know, if there were ways I could improve. Maybe there was some rambling I need to delete, you know, for some editing. And I decided to just nuke the whole darn segment. Just obliterate that sucker. Because it came off really negative. 
And I don't want this podcast to be filled with negativity. I want it to be something hopeful. And what I had intended to be a hopeful message kind of just sounded bitchy and pissed off. And, and, you know, we're allowed to be bitchy, we're allowed to be pissed off, but it is not my intention for more negativity to be spewed out of my mouth to make everybody else feel like crap. So, I nuked it, we're starting over. Today I want to talk about how herbalism and alternative health practices are the medicine of the people. Now please keep in mind... This is my opinion, but I think there's a lot of you that would agree to this. So what do I mean when I say that it's the medicine of the people? Well, let's think about how we here in the United States have our so-called healthcare now. I don't think very many people would disagree with me when I say that the United States healthcare system is just jacked up. And it's not something that you can just point one finger at one organization or one person or one system and say, this is what has everything screwed all the hell up. I mean, you just can't. It's not one, it's not one facet that makes it messed up. It's a lot of compounding issues that have just compounded over time and then individuals that are in the areas of the government and the powers that be who tried to, quote, fix it, unquote, just kind of, you know, jack that shit up a little bit worse than what it was before. So, let's talk about how we need to take charge of our own health in order to have actual health care. So, I am going to refer to what we receive in this country as medical care or sick care, because In all reality, our modern medical system, as it stands in this country, does not know what to do with you if you are not totally and completely whacked out and off the charts, sick, and you've got something majorly wrong, right? Those little nagging aches and pains, they tell you to take some over-the-counter thing or, oh, chalk that up to aging or, well, you know, you're female, you'll have that. Usually that's coming out of a male doctor's mouth. Sorry. Oops. Oh, that was negative. (laughs) But, you know, these things, they don't have to be this way, right? So, yes, there is a place for that. There is a place for medical treatments. And God love doctors. I don't envy what they do. Well, sometimes because I think some of it's kind of fun. But let's talk about what we can do so we don't have to see one. (laughs) 
I mean, isn't that the goal to not need a doctor more than like once a year, once every six months for a checkup? I mean, because you need diagnostic checkups, right? You take your car in to get an oil change, and sometimes if you're at a mechanic, they plug it into an OBD reader and boop, 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 and it'll tell you if there's any underlying causes that may, maybe you didn't know were going on, you know? Maybe you got a gear slipping in your transmission. Maybe you have a little bit of an oil leak and you have oil burning in the engine and you didn't know it. And then that repair can be really tiny and small. That's what medical or sick care should be like in my mind. So what do we do so that we don't have any repairs or minimal repairs, right? We want to ride our miles well on this body, on this earthly journey, right? So what do we do? We turn to the medicine of the people. We turn to those practices that have been handed down from our ancestors through their observation, and we put them to work for us. Now, yes, modern science has poo-pooed on a lot of things, but you know, as we go along, there have been more and more ancient traditions that have been shown to have some merit. I'll be diddly darn. See how that works? Acupuncture, acupressure. Some of, one of the most studied herbs in the world is turmeric. Turmeric, the stuff that makes your curry yellow, right? Stains your hands, stains your counter, stains your, your skin, right? Turmeric. Most studied herb in the world. Ginger's right up there on that list, along with a host of others. And Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, they're thousands of years old. Thousands! The Chinese have a t huge population, and so does India. Obviously, these people were doing something right, or they would have died out, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's how I think of it. So we can't exactly dismiss all of it. Yes, there are some of it that is a little goofy. Uh, the wording is a little weird. But we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to find what's of value. So I just thought that we could discuss how, how we can use this medicine of the people to help further our own health goals how we could get together and help each other out a little more so, right? Because, I mean, we all know there ain't none of us that have uh, huge budgets for gigantic medical bills and lots of diagnostic tests for no reason, right? So why don't we keep ourselves functioning, functioning as opt optimally as possible Gosh, that, those two words were just really hard to put out. Functioning as optimally as possible, as long as we can. And then utilize modern medicine and that sick care that's there when we really need it. The World Health Organization estimates that 80% of the world uses herbal medicine for something. 
don't know what, but at least some of their health care. And I believe the numbers for U.S. citizens are like right around 30%. I'd have to look the page back up, truthfully. So don't quote me on that 30%, but I know it is 80% worldwide, with the majority of those numbers coming from Asia and Africa. We need to embrace this, folks. It's here. It's been here. I saw a meme the other day on Facebook, and no, I don't take Facebook and other social media as being my place of education. However, the saying on it really resonated with me that it only took two generations to wipe out the wisdom of our ancestors. So A, not all that wisdom has been wiped out. It's only wiped out for the people whose immediate ancestors chose to not continue the wisdom, right? So we have to take what our ancestors did, learn it, learn what actually works, learn if there is any scientific backing behind it, and then run with that, baby. Run with it. Use that medicine of the people, So I'm sure some of you guys have heard about functional medicine doctors. I love functional medicine doctors. Deep from the bottom of my heart, I got nothings but loves for them. However, with our modern medical system in the United States, most people cannot go see functional medicine doctors. Because functional medicine doctors are generally not covered by insurance companies. Now, we already have insurance companies in this country who make you pay for their services and then don't pay for your services because you have to meet a deductible first and then you have a copay after. So then they only pay out on 80% of the services. I just kind of feel like the, the insurance companies are the only ones making out here. I, I really feel like it. That and for-profit healthcare centers and large metropolitan hospitals. But I mean, that's not even all the time either because a lot of them are screwed because of deals that insurance companies force them to take or they get no money. So, I mean, yeah. But then you enter in functional medicine doctors. Functional medicine doctors, um, they do a lot more diagnostic testing and a lot of times their acceptable parameters are much more narrow And what they're looking for is not those levels of functioning that basically just keep you alive so you're not dead, but they're looking for a tiny minute window that shows that your body is functioning functioning at a much more efficient level, right? So let's look at thyroid, right? Your thyroid levels uh, are usually checked to begin with, with something called a TSH test. That's pretty much a standard. Stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. It's not even a thyroid hormone, folks. It's a hormone put out by your pituitary gland that tells the thyroid how much thyroid hormone to make. So what you're doing is you're basically talking to the person who's putting in the order from Amazon, right? So they're calling up your thyroid and saying, check out some thyroid hormone. Okay, that's the first test that's pretty standard. Um, 
but the numbers on that for a regular doctor, what they use, and they say, oh yeah, that's about normal. Sometimes those numbers for a functional medicine doctor are pointing towards a subclinical or what they call a subclinical issue because they look at a much more narrow parameter of what they call optimal functioning. So yes, they want you functioning optimally, not just a walking zombie and a talking head, right? Not just a head on top of a meat suit that can do your job and press a button with your thumb up your nose all day and you're suffering and feeling crappy and pain and barely functioning and hating life in general, right? So that's wonderful that functional medicine doctors do that. However, those tests aren't cheap. And in the United States right now, and I I have to keep saying the United States because it's the country I live in, so it's all I've got to compare to. Um, But I'm going to guess it's probably this way in a lot of the world right now because the entire globe is dealing with an economic crisis. But here in the United States, the majority of households are like one missed paycheck away from financial ruin. The cost of goods and services and food and housing have far outpaced the increase in wages. So now we have housing shortages, not because there aren't houses there, but because it costs so damn much, nobody can afford to live there. We have jobs available, but you have to work three of them to be able to to live, to breathe, to... Girl, these people ain't getting paid enough to pay attention, right? So when a functional medicine doctor is not covered by insurance and they say, okay, it'll be $1,500 up front. What? Like, I don't have $1,500 for that. I don't have $1,500 to pay for car repairs right now, to be darn honest. I'd have to pray for a miracle and get super creative to make that happen. I need my car to get to work. I wish it ran on human flatulence. It'd be better for the environment. And uh, I would just be reusing a byproduct from, you know, beans. But it doesn't. And then, you know, you have the cost of the medications that they prescribe, like bioidentical hormones, which, okay, people, they are not bioidentical. It's not like they take hormones out of another person and shoot them in you. That would be bioidentical. However, they are more closely resembling the hormones that your body already makes. So that, that's something that you're going to get from a functional medicine doctor generally. But they're also not covered by insurance. So what are we supposed to do when we want to live at our optimal level, but we can't do that crazy nonsense? We hop on over to the medicine of the people. And I know there's always some herbal magic supplement that somebody is selling. And they are not all snake oil people. However, there are a lot of products that are probably just kind of shitty. They're kind of shitty. And a little shady. So you got to like investigate your companies. Check your reviews. Keep an eye out. Like recently, the big blue big box retailer 
was found that some of their supplements, I can't remember which supplement, basically had poop in it. Oh, fish oil. It was found to have fish shit in it. Poop. Um, In organic farming terms, they call that fish emulsion. And uh, that's what they use as one source of fertilizer. Fish shit, people. That's not what was supposed to be in those fish oil capsules, right? So they're being prosecuted, of course, for, you know, (laughs) fraud. But (laughs) so, I mean, you do have to be careful the products that you look for. And they can get super crazy expensive. But there are ways. There are ways around that. There are also herbalists and healers out there who work on sliding scales. Because you know what? They were in your shoes. They felt like crap. And there was no medical way of dealing with the way they felt like crap right? They had some sort of health crisis or health challenge themselves. And they found a way to make it happen. And they want to help other people get there. I know I myself, oh, I was wholeheartedly on the bandwagon. I was selling for a company that has a multi-level marketing aspect to it. And I still sell for that company. But I was following all the, all the gimmicks, all, all the protocols that came down from my upline, I followed it to a T. You know where, what it got me? Bankruptcy. And a huge amount of marital discord. I'm telling you, there are other ways out there by finding those healers, finding those herbalists, that work on a sliding scale, you tell them your issues right off the bat. I feel like crap. I have no money. And the good ones will look at you and they'll say, well, let's talk about what you do have. They'll work out a trade. They'll work out a payment schedule. They'll work out Maybe you know how to type. Maybe you know how to do data entry. Maybe, maybe you know someone who knows someone and we can finagle a barter or a trade. Maybe they have extra items around and they're like, okay, hey, if you help me out with this much money, that's the bare minimum. I can help you. But you have to be willing to go out there and put yourself in the position where you say, I am ready to learn the medicine of the people. I am ready to be part of that 80% that the World Health Organization says is using herbal medicine, right? There's a lot of information out there and a lot of people come into herbal medicine in um, what is now being branded an allopathic way of using herbal medicine. So it's like you have a symptom like... Use thyme oil for cold sores. Use clove oil for toothaches. Chew on spilanthes if you have a toothache. Um, Oh, you have hepatitis. A doctor, I shouldn't say it correctly. A doctor has diagnosed you with hepatitis. Take this milk thistle. You know, so there's a lot of that. And that's normally how people come to herbal medicine is because they were diagnosed by, by a medical doctor with some ailment, 
or they think their symptoms fit something off WebMD. So they start looking up herbs for that ailment. That is what is called an allopathic approach, right? You have this disease, you do this. So in more of a holistic approach, we break it down a little more so like, is it a cold condition? Is it a warm condition? Is it a dry condition? Is it it a wet condition? How are we going to cool you off, warm you up, dry you out, or add moisture? You know, that kind of thing. And, And so sometimes it takes a little bit. You have to talk to an herbalist or someone trained or someone who's been rolling around and marinating in it for a while to figure out what you need on more of a long-term health building path. But these things are out there, people. Maybe you need some Reiki to calm your mind, to calm your soul, to help you figure out how to allow the good energy in. Maybe you need some yoga and breathing and pranayama so that you learn how to breathe and expand your diaphragm and your entire abdominal cavity and how to contract those muscles properly so that your body can support itself as well as allowing for that full respiration. Maybe you need massage. Maybe you need an ionic foot bath. Maybe you just need some time to sit down with some tea and not do diddly squat jack shit for like 10 minutes to let your brain cells quit popping for 10 minutes. Maybe you need to do journaling. Maybe you need to um, look at your diet closer. These are all things that need to be addressed. Maybe you just need to drink some darn water, people. Like actual water. Like water. Nothing in it. Not bubbly. No flavors. No sweeteners. No caffeine. Water clear water. It's amazing. It flows forth from the earth. But this is where we're at. These things that I just all named off as possibilities. Plus, oh my gosh, a myriad more are the medicine of the people. And so this is what I wanted to talk to you guys today. I wanted to talk to you guys about the medicine of the people and how you need to employ that so that we can have less sick care and more health care. Because if we don't care about ourselves and our own health, no one else is really going to care either. So go out there, be that holistic badass that I know you are. If you are financially constrained, like many, 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 many of us are, Say something to that practitioner that you've been looking at. Ask them, do you have a sliding scale? Do you have financial assistance? I think you're going to be really surprised. Go out there and be well, holistic badasses. Hey. Did you go to HerbalCon last year? You didn't. You need to get to HerbalCon 2024. 
Coming to Wapakoneta, Ohio on March 2nd, 2024 is the second annual HerbalCon. This is a premier event featuring speakers covering topics like urban farming, different varieties of herbs, conservation. There'll be over 20 vendors on site, food available to purchase. It's a whole day of information and learning all about topics that can benefit you. Herbalism, conservation, environmentalism, natural health, We're tying it all together in HerbalCon 2024. Be watching HerbChickOnline.com for tickets and more information. It's time for the Herb of the Hour. And today, we are talking about burdock. I don't think I've done this one before, so we're going to do it today. Because I have a crap ton of burdock growing by my house. Just a crap ton. And there was a wonderful herbalist at one point in time. His name was Dr. John Christopher. And he used to tell his patients that what you need is growing right in front of you. Now, I may have just thought I read that. But I'm pretty darn sure that that was in one of his books. So... I have a crap ton of burdock. And you know what? I really think it would probably be really good for me to utilize that burdock and utilize it a little more than what I already do, which I do utilize it. So I'm going to be utilizing it even more very, very soon. So if uh, you guys follow me at all on the socials, you will know that I did a reel slash TikTok of burdock, a recipe that featured me eating the stalks of the burdock. And I had a lot of people ask me if it was rhubarb, but it's not rhubarb. But I guess, you know, in a video, it does kind of look like it could be rhubarb, but it's not rhubarb. Trust me. So let's talk about burdock. So there's basically two kinds of burdock in the world. There is Arctium minus and Arctium lapa. So Arctium lapa, that's the one we're going to start with. It is a plant native to Japan that is now found all over the world. The root is eaten as food. They call it gobo, right? So like... I always thought gobo stood for buy one, get one, um, <laughs> or get one, buy one. I guess that would be backwards. You know, this when you work a lot of retail, man, like if you are a female in the U.S., chances are you probably have worked retail and or food service and or customer service for a large portion of your life by the time you're 25. So anyway, Arctic Lapa is large. We're talking big. Okay. And, um, it has some common names. We find them for you. Um, burr seed is one of them. 
cockaburr. Um, what, where's some more here that I can find for you? Anyways, you're going to know that it's burdock by the time the flowers come, right? Like, I have some gorgeous pictures of the other kind, which is Arctium minus or minus, however you want to say it. So if you look at Lapa Menace, what, what, what are we thinking here? What are you feeling? Like on their appearance. <laughs> so Artium Minus or Menace, however you want to say it, is a smaller version of Artium Lapa, right? So they basically look almost identical. It's just one grows to like nine foot tall or has the capability to grow to nine foot tall. And the other one does not. It's still big mofo plant though. It just is not going to get nine foot tall. The other big difference is that Arctium Lapa has bigger roots. They are still tap. They are kind of tap rooty and they look like runners, kind of similar to like rutabaga right? They get that long tap rooty type of thing. They run horizontal-ish. They go vertically down for so far and then they'll cut horizontal and these suckers will run forever. Like you can dig up a root and it could take you all day to follow that gold vein. Um, the leaves are very thick. They kind of come out and they taper. It doesn't have a sharp point at the end. It has more of a rounded point and it'll have a rounded ripple, but it's not really lobed. Um, there'll be one central vein on the leaf and all the other veins will branch off of it. So if you think it looks like rhubarb, uh, your rhubarb leaves are palmate, which means that they have one origin point where the veins start and it all branches off of that. Okay, like like your fingers off your palm, right? That's why they call it palmate. So those veins in the leaf will branch out like your fingers on your palm. Whereas the other ones, they come off that central vein and they branch off. Um, the other thing that you want to look for, uh, rhubarb and, uh, which is not a burdock plant, it's not even the same family, but I'm going to throw it in here because everybody thinks it's one of those. Uh, burdock stalks have a solid pith to them. But also, the stalks on Arctium lapa are usually also solid. Arctic minus has a hollow pith, right? And the stems will be kind of fuzzy. Um... The Arctium Lapa that, or the Arctium Minus that I have growing out in my yard right now, um, generally stays like a light to medium green color on the stalk. I don't usually see a lot of color change. Now, when it starts to flower, which mine is not flowering because I tried to already dig it out once because it's taking over where I had bleeding hearts growing and all my catnip patch. So my catnip patch is still underneath it and it grew nice and tall this year. But all you really need is like the thought of rain and burdock grows like crazy. It just goes nutsy fagin and takes over. Good news. The whole darn plant is edible. 
the big one and the little one. It's edible, right? The whole damn thing. Like, it is a food source. Crap news is that both species are invasive, like really bad. Like if you have one and you let it go next year, you will have 35. And then the next year you'll have 75 to 80. And then the next year your whole damn backyard is nothing but burdock and, you know, forget grass or mint or catnip or any other plant that you thought you might be growing because it's, you're just a burdock farmer now. So burdock flowers, um, they kind of come out, they look a little spiky, they kind of resemble thistle flowers. Um, they'll have a purplish or pinkish, sometimes white, a uh, little bit of petals that come off of like a little ball that's kind of spiky like a porcupine. Again, Arctium lapa, big flowers, Arctium minus, little flowers. They grow together in a clump. Of flowers usually you'll have like one to four or five or whatever and they kind of clump together when they dry they hook on your clothes it's the most annoying shit ever like I used to have a dog who was a collie terrier mix loved Max to death and she would go running through the fields and she had long hair she kind of looked like a sheep dog and she would be matted with burrs everywhere. These are the ones that when you go walking through the woods, you get them stuck on your shoestrings and they just piss you off. Or they're stuck on your clothes and they itch because they keep poking you. But those flowers were the inspiration for Velcro too. So, I mean, come on, man. There's something awesome that happened because somebody observed stuff in nature. So these plants were native to Asia and Europe. It's been naturalized around the world. You can eat the leaves, the seeds, flowers, stalks, the roots, whole thing. Medicinally, medicinally, burdock is extremely beneficial been used for many centuries in Japan, Taiwan, Korea. They cook the roots there, like I said, in Gobo. Uh, there's records of the plant being eaten in Europe during the Middle Ages and of me eating it in America on TikTok and Instagram Reels. The other parts of the burdock plant, traditionally in many herbal sources, they are called blood purifiers and they're used to treat like skin ailments, right? We look at burdock as being slightly cooling because there are some sources that say it works well for a hot liver. So, um, it, if you don't know what hot liver is, I encourage you to listen to my podcast uh, a few episodes back called Love Your Liver. But we want things that will cool that liver down. And burdock is one that will do that. In fact, it works with the it works with the liver so well 
that um, it's in a lot of remedies for the liver, right? Um, let, let's just start going over what it's for here. So it has a slight diuretic effect. So it's going to be rather drying. It's going to pull off fluids. Some sources say that it has an antibacterial type of property to it. It may reduce a fever. Um, it possibly could soothe gastrointestinal problems. It works by reducing inflammation, lowering blood pressure, regulating blood sugar, soothing dry inflamed skin. Um, some people swore by it for acne, to soothe sore throats, coughs, and acts as an antioxidant. So some of that is some of, like I just spoke about in the previous segment, some of that is allopathic. They tell you a problem and they say you can take this. However, I like to kind of roll around in burdock. It's a very good nutritive plant that can provide some great nutrition. The studies that have been done are not a lot. There, there just isn't a large number of studies done on burdock. They think, in these studies, they think that the tannins, the plant sterols, and the oils that are in the burdock are what makes it beneficial. So most of what you find about burdock, most of the information is anecdotal. I'm going to tell you that if you have a blood sugar issue, high, low, otherwise, you should check with your doctor before you use it. I'm also going to tell you that if you have a kidney issue, you should check with your doctor before you use it. Um, and if you uh, are already dehydrated, if I were you, I would not use it because it could make you more dehydrated, thereby exacerbating that. However, there is something in the roots called inulin. Inulin is a fiber that has a beneficial effect on your insulin, right? So eating the dried root is a good thing. You can also eat the seeds. I should throw that in there. You can eat the seeds. Some people eat them whole. You can roast them. I like to eat burdock seed with uh, velvet leaf seed. Velvet leaf seed gets kind of chewy, and, and I'll save that for another time, but it's kind of nutty, kind of chewy when you let it dry. And it's kind of like, I like to chew on that while I'm out working out in the yard and stuff. I know I'm weird. Um... You'll find burdock in tinctures, you'll find it in tea, you'll find it in recipes. I like to take the stalks and throw them into stir fry. It's very good stir fried with uh, carrots and onions and you know, you throw in your your sprouts and like the big thick bean sprouts, not not your radish sprouts and things, not the fine ones. And you know, anything that you're gonna do like a real quick stir fry with, throw in that burdock root with it. However, I or burdock stock with it. However, I will tell you that you will want to peel the fuzz off of it, and you'll want to do a real quick parboil 
um, not even a parboil, it would be a blanch. Sorry, gotta remember my cooking terms. It would be a quick blanching. So you're gonna cut up your little pieces after they're peeled and you're gonna drop them in the water, count to 10 and pull them back out. Like you have scalding hot boiling water, throw them in there, pull them back out and then put them straight in the skillet with the rest of the veggies that you're stir frying. Your shroomies, all of that. You can um, dry burdock. And you know, I am going to have a class up uh, soon. I cannot give you an exact time frame at this point because I have to take care of some other things first. But I do have it slated to do a class all about burdock and put it up on the Society of Herbalists webpage for sale and so be looking for that but burdock is awesome however you do want to know that there are some plants that people say are lookalikes of burdock I will tell you that it's really hard to accurately identify the plant when it's young unless you know that's it like I've been rolling around burdock my whole life so I know that it's burdock however if I have any question I just don't don't touch it, right? Like you have to be confident when you're gathering in the wild. If you have any question whatsoever, don't use it. Just pull it out and move along because there's nothing more important than your health and safety. All right. So there are a few things that uh, some web pages are saying looks like burdock. Uh, one is primrose. <sighs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I will tell you right now, no, primrose does not look like burdock, maybe in the first 7 to 12 days when it's coming up, but it does not look like burdock. Um, docks. Okay, now this is where it gets weird. So there are some things that are called dock. We used to call it yellow dock. My dad used to call it curly dock. These leaves are narrow and glossier than burdock leaves, although they can get pretty large. They have a similar vein arrangement to burdock, but they're more pointed, where burdock's kind of like this big spade, like, like they took the spade off a playing card and stretched it out long ways and then rounded off all the edges, right? Um, curly dock is going to be a really long peel or a really long leaf that curls up on the edges and sometimes it curls back up on itself. Think like, like banana peel curl back on itself. Of course, it's not yellow. It, it's, it is um, a green leaf. They call it yellow dock sometimes. They call it because the root is bright yellow. And yellow dock has its own medicinal uses. It's very similar to burdock. It's very high in iron, etc. But it is not burdock. So... It's similar, but it's not it. And it's not something that you're going to put want to eat and put in your diet like you can do with burdock. Like burdock can be one of your nutri more nutritious things that you just throw into your diet, you know, like sweet potatoes and stuff. But yellow dock is very acrid. And that, like, to me, in my mind, is like a strictly medicinal herb if you're going to leave it grow. Um, rhubarb, like I said, this is one that people most generally get confused 
with that um, why they also have a triangular or heart-shaped leaf these leaves are more uneven in shape than burdock and they're hairless burdock leaves are, are kind of fuzzy but they're like fuzzy in a rough way not like fuzzy soft like oh this feels so soft like lamb's ear and mullen those are like soft and comfy fuzzy um, burdock is more like ow there's like freaking hairs on that thing uh, foxgloves I mean, I guess they kind of look like foxglove a little bit. So, um, the thing is, though, that foxglove grow, grows in a, a world pattern around in a circle a little more so than um, burdock. Um, the leaves on foxglove are more pointed and the mature ones are slightly smaller. They are pale green. They have matte leaves with fuzz on the underside of the leaf, which makes them appear paler underneath. A significant feature is that the veins turn upwards and almost run parallel with the leaf's main central vein. Yeah, that doesn't really happen a whole lot with, uh, with burdock. So, um, foxgloves are um, toxic. I will tell you, the flowers look totally freaking different, man. Foxglove spits off this stalk, and then there's like little bell-shaped flowers that come off of it. And it's super pretty plant. But it is a source of digitalis, which is a heart medication. And it is toxic when not used properly. It is better off left to medical professionals. Belladonna or nightshade. Dude, I don't even know why they think that this thing looks like freaking burdock. Um, Belladonna or Nightshade, the flowers do not look alike. The, the seeds, there's no prickly things on this. So when it's in flower and it's in fruit, it don't look a darn bit like burdock. Um, it also has smooth leaves. That's, there's no tooth to the edges of the leaves. They're glossy. Um, they're smaller than burdock leaves. Like, once you get used to burdock, you know when you're in a burdock jungle. Um, burdock probably should not be used by a lot of children. We're talking small children that are like eight and younger, that kind of small children. Pregnant or breastfeeding women or those trying to conceive should avoid this herb. They tell you that on all herbs that have not been studied for safety in that population. I'm not saying you should or should not use it. I'm just telling you that that's going to be on all of those. Um, too much burdock can give you diarrhea and be very dehydrating. Do not ignore those things. If they happen to you, stop using the burdock. Like, I don't understand when they tell you that too much can be harmful. But you know, if you're taking too much, you're gonna get jet propelled diarrhea and you're probably gonna be vomiting. So why, if you are having the screen door shits and barfing all over the place, would you continue to use something? You would think you would just stop using everything entirely and let your body rest. But hey, you know, I don't ask me. I'm just an herbalist. 
Uh, people using diuretics should not use this herb. Told you that. Um, anybody that has an allergy to the Asteraceae or the Compositae family, such as marigolds, daisies, chrysanthemums, you could possibly be allergic to burdock. So that's something you want to want to steer clear of. This is, this is not a plant for you. Uh, patients with bleeding disorders are those taking prescription blood thinners. That's including baby aspirin in my book because that is a mild blood thinner. Uh, burdock, not your plant, peeps. Also, if you are scheduled to have a surgery or some kind of surgical procedure, even if it's just a quickie outpatient thing, two weeks prior, no burdock for you, okay? <laughs> this is funny. It's giving, as there are similar plants that look similar and are potentially fatal if ingested. Okay, so in the middle of my burdock patch out back, that is not flowering right now. Normally it would be, but... I already tried to dig it up once and it's some tenacious stuff. But I also have poke growing in the middle of it. Now, I know what poke looks like. I'm intimately aware. I'm going to be digging it out as well. Not because I don't believe in the medicinal value of poke, but because I do not want to take the legal responsibility of someone using poke. So I don't sell it. I don't use it in a tincture, and I was not raised eating poke. It's very popular, like in the hills in West Virginia, as a food stuff, but you have to prepare it specially so you don't accidentally kill yourself and your family. So, you know, any foods that kind of have that going on, I kind of shy away from personally. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're not good. It doesn't mean that you can't have a safe preparation of it. It doesn't mean that it's not necessary. It just means I am not comfortable with it. And if I am not comfortable with something, I'm not going to leave it grow in my yard. And I am not going to use it medicinally. However, sometimes you will find it marketed in an extract or tincture under inkberry. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I have other plants growing in there with my burdock, but it's okay. I know what they all are and I can identify them. I know their genus, the species. I, yeah, I, I'm, if I had to slap it on there, I'd say about 98% accurate. If I don't know what a plant is in my backyard, we should all be scared of it and not touch it. <laughs> So there you go, guys, burdock. If a little bit of information about that plant got your gears grinding, got you thinking about how you might want to use it in your daily regimen and how you might be able to use it as a foodstuff. Heck, you could even just take those leaves and compost them down. You can feed them to your chickens, um, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, if that is something that you think resonates with you, you go be that holistic badass. Make sure you're identifying the correct plant and uh, look up a little recipe here and there. Hit me up on this podcast. Leave me a comment. Let me know uh, what kind of dish you made with burdock. 
Let me know how you used burdock in your daily life. Let me know. And be looking for that class on the SocietyofHerbalist.com webpage. Okay, holistic badasses, this is the point where I bid you adieu. I tell you good night or good day or good morning or wherever you are a good whatever it is. I tell you to go out there, be good to yourself, be well, and be the badass that you are. If you want to know more about me, you can find my website at herbchickonline.com. You can find me on most of the social medias under Lori the Herb Chick. In fact, if you just Google that, you'll find me, people. Look for my picture. And be checking out societyofherbalist.com. I've got a class up. There's two classes up currently. There's more coming. And I will be working diligently here soon on a class all about burdock all about it, how to identify it, how it feels, how it tastes, some recipes, just all burdock all the time. So in the meantime, folks, sorry it was just me today, but in the meantime, go out there, be that holistic badass.